Hello and welcome to the 5th Desert Island Punks podcast. I'm Jake and I play in punk rock band Jake and the Jellyfish and this is my podcast where I interview friends of mine and people I admire in the punk rock scene. I ask them what five albums, book and luxury item they would take to a desert island and we chat about how those choices have influenced who they are today. This is my first to a bunch of interviews I did at this year's Punk Rock Holiday, an amazing festival on the river in the Slovenian Alps. I sat down with Frank Turner and we chatted about punk rock albums, touring before the internet, DIY and a whole bunch of other stuff. Please subscribe and rate the podcast, apparently that helps us out, and enjoy. So, yeah, this yeah. is hard, man. It's, it's going to be hard, yeah. It is, and I mean, like, I thought I had it down, uh-huh. and then I was chatting with John T from yeah, your yeah. band earlier, and um, immediately yeah. thought of, like, another eight records to yeah. put on the list. It's always going to happen, though, you're going to change it all the time, but it's fun to sort of, like, solidify on one, because... At yeah. least that means something to you at that point in time, regardless. Yeah, I mean, it's oh, it's really hard. I mean, I've got one, two, three. It's got three definites. All right. And then... Just wing it on the next two. Well, okay, in fact, fuck it. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. All right, cool. Okay. Uh, let's start with number one. But first, pardon. Number one. Welcome, oh. Frank. Hello. Hi. How you doing? Nice, nice to see you. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, this is, so this, this um, Punk Rock Desert Island disc thing has been eating away at my soul <laughs> since we agreed to do this. And... Uh, um, it's really hard, and it's it's much more fun, I think, than just doing a regular Desert Island disc. Yeah, I think albums are more, they've got more to them, haven't they? Like, yeah, absolutely. Well, and also just having, because I mean, you know, I listen to other types of music as well. Sure. It was my first love. Which brings us to the first choice that I've got, which um, is an obvious one, and I'm sure other people have picked this. Right. But I'm going to have to pick out on the Walls by Rancid. Yeah, nobody's picked it yet. Oh, really? Oh, okay. No, no. I mean, you know, I'm of the age. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It came out in 95, I think I'm right in saying that. Yeah, like, like, yeah uh, When I was 13 five. years old, and like, I like Green Day and I like The Offspring and then I heard Out on the Walls and went, oh, fucking right. Okay. That album's fucking crazy. It's like banger after banger. Though, it's, it? it's got, t- what, 23 songs on it yeah, and there's yeah. not a duff track on it and it's still only about 50 minutes long. <laughs> it's like a salutary exercise in, in brevity and songwriting. I had a thing a few years ago. We played at Riot Fest in uh, Toronto, maybe, and um, uh, there were two full album shows that day I wanted to catch. There was Rancid doing Out on the Walls and there was Weezer doing Blue Album, which is a record that I love. Yeah. Um, but it was really interesting day for me because I came out of that day reassured that I'm a punk in the sense that <laughs> the Rancid full album show was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my fucking life yeah, and the Weezer yeah. show was okay yeah do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah, it, yeah. it was good it was good it was, it was a Weezer wrong. show it was a Weezer show yeah, yeah. And, and it was just like to come out you know I felt reassured in my kind of youthful yeah, master pinning choices or whatever <laughs> um but yeah, and I mean, I've, I've sort of made friends with the Rancid guys over the years a little bit, um, uh, which is an awesome thing to say. But yeah. like, yeah, I, I know pretty much all the words to that record. And, and it was funny actually because we had it. We had like a nineteen-hour drive, and like we were in like an LDB pilot or something. Yeah, yeah. And in like the last like hour of this journey, we put on Outcome the Rules, and so like we've been like nineteen hours straight in this tiny, tiny little LDB, and like we all just sang like all mm-hmm. the words, the whole thing. It's a unifier, you yeah, know, yeah. and it's like, and it's also. It's a gateway punk record, um, which is incidentally not something that anyone should ever be ashamed of making. Like, no, I don't I'm, think so. I'm bored of people being down on like Blink 182. It's just it's kind of like you would never have heard of Black Flag without. Blink yeah, precisely. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Get over yourself. Yeah, Fuck! I've just thought of another one. Um, uh, <laughs> um, but that was that was really. I mean, the, my my bonus second choice for this slot, by the way, right, would okay. be White Light, White Heat, White Trash by Social D, because that was oh, a really right. early Doors punk record for me, as well. So um, so yeah. So I'm gonna that that would be other one. So that's choice number one. Okay, cool. Have you got? Uh, this is an even harder thing to ask, but I kind of ask on a bit of a whim. Have you got uh, like a particular song? 
A particular song? Uh, ooh, off Out Come the Wolves. I mean, I, ugh, all of them. Uh, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, James the End of East Bay always kind of breaks my heart every time I hear yeah, it. Sure. And it's got that fucking bass line in it and blah, blah, blah. But, um, I mean, it's a pretty flawless record from top to bottom. Yeah, it's weird. It's actually kind of irritating. It's one of those records you're like, how is it this good this far in? You know yeah, I mean? completely. And like everybody in the world, including Rancid, I might add, has tried to copy how good that record yeah, is. Yeah. And fallen short. So, and that's not to do down everything else they ever did, but like that record is it's just spotless. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not a single track in it I don't like. Yeah, it's, it is it's, it's bizarre. Like, mm. I hate people that can write 20, 20 songs per album and mm. all be great because it's yeah. just so rare. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool, so we'll move on to number two. Number two, okay, so the, so just going through my own sort of personal history, you know, like say Greendale Spring, Rancid, and then kind of got down into like checking out all the punk rock stuff. and. My choice for number two, which I'm going to justify at some length, okay. is Nevermind the Bollocks, right? Okay, sure. Which, which sounds like an obvious choice, but actually I feel very strongly that there's this weird thing that goes on in the punk community these days where that's a record that sort of gets... People are down on it or they overlook it or whatever. Yeah, recently I think so. <clears throat> yeah, you know, people want to... People because my, my bonus choice for the... My two other bonus choices for this slot would either be uh, First Four Years Black Flag or the First Class record, both of which I love. But like, um, and just because, you know, the sections, they're too obvious, they're the sort of postcard punk band or whatever. But the other day I was, um, I went for a run and I put on Nevermind the Bollocks for the first time in probably 15 years and was like staggered by how fucking good it is. Yeah, it's um, a pop record, but it's... But it's, it's heavy as fuck as well. The other, um, I did Camden Rocks Festival over the summer and me and some uh, friends kind of put together a little kind of band, in quotes, sure. to just play a few punk covers for the encore because I was playing solo set and we rehearsed up. Uh, a cover of Pretty Vacant and even just the act of playing it in a room it was like yeah, the yeah. brutality of that song <laughs> it's like it's so fucking simple and, it, and it's just and yet it's still vicious and that's the thing I love about the sexuals is they're still dangerous to me and the sound of it and like you know bands all bands I like but bands like you know Idols or even like Sleep of Mods and all these kind of people they're all essentially doing impressions of Johnny Rotten and he still sounds more threatening than any of them I kind of do like how much he just doesn't give a shit as well like, yeah I mean there's the, the, the there's a bit in one of the songs I can't remember which song it is there's a bit where he says I look around your house you've got nothing to steal and it's just it's one of the most fucking incredible fuck you lyrics ever yeah, yeah. And, and like the whole of Bodies is, is like still quite hard to listen to because it's so threatening do you know yeah, what I mean yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and there's just something about you know it, and, and they did lay the blueprint and this is the thing I think that because they're too obvious a choice people kind of want to be more into the clash and the clash went on to be more political and, and the clash are sort of the clash are an easier choice because they, with what everything they represent is kind of okay yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean sure, and like yeah. there's, there's bits of the pistols that are uncomfortable and weird and fucked up and I do think that as grown-ups we spend a bit too much time thinking about all the kind of like nice and posy aspects of punk, which I like, but it's yeah. like on some levels punk is also supposed to be threatening and uncomfortable. And that's what I that think also is. people are just people, aren't they? Is it like we're so easy, so happy to put people on these pedestals that everyone has to be yeah. the best person ever. Right, completely. And like, I, don't, I couldn't give two shits about what Johnny Rotten's done since that record. And I mean, uh, John Lydon and Butter Adverts and whatever yeah, the fuck yeah, else yeah. people want to get into and the Sector's reunion was pretty shite and all the rest of it um, but he did that he also I should add bonus mention for PIL who I think are incredible really I, only, well. I saw him live once um, at Rebellion Festival right 
which I think for them is actually kind of strange. Yeah, yeah, for them yeah. To play at, but because he was obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. It was, I mean, it was quite. It was odd. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the th- that's one of the things about PL though is that they're relentlessly fucking weird. Yeah. I remember getting Metal Box when I was about. 14 because I liked the pistols and I thought I should be similar yeah Yeah. (laughs) and I remember actually switching it off after about three songs not because I didn't like it but because I couldn't handle it it was just like I don't know what's going on and it's just like walls of horrible guitar (laughs) and like no melody and it's really really like I don't know it feels like something that like uh, the pistols were kind of going against at the time so maybe that's why you know because they were acting against that sort of like virtuoso like sort of proxy yeah 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 it seems like he kind of flipped and went into the indulgent yeah, sure. Although, I mean, I read an amazing book called Rip It Up and Start It Again by Simon Reynolds. Yeah, um, which I, I, is, like, I've looked at it. Yeah, it's, it. it's, it's a fucking masterpiece. You should read the whole thing. Because the opening sort of um, statement of the book is that, like, punk rock was, like, kind of classic and revolutionary in every way apart from musically. Because it, they were essentially just playing small small faces covers loud, which is yeah. kind of a fair cop. Yeah. And like, and he said the thing about post punk is when people took the, the political principles of punk and applied it to music rather than to just rhetoric. Yeah, and sure. and like, you know, some of the some of the noises that PL were making are still challenging now. They're still uncomfortable yeah. now. They don't. They're not nice to listen to. And there's a, again, there's a part of me that enjoys that. Yeah, I do. Um, anything off sex uh, that uh, record? I mean, if I had to pick one song, I'd probably pick Bodies. Just because it's so, you know, die on a baby, screaming. <laughs> it's just like, fuck, man. Yeah, like, and then that's not to say that I like, I like that I love those lyrics or that I endorse those lyrics necessarily. Yeah. But they, they, they are visceral and the they're extreme. still challenging. How, yeah. like, how many years later? Is right, completely. Like, and like, you know, again, like, I mean, you know, I, I like a lot of death and black metal and that kind of thing as well. And there's that angle of being challenged by music as well. I don't want to just listen to a record and nod along with it. Yeah, sure. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Sometimes I do, but I also want to listen to a record that's going to make me feel weird. But it's that whole thing, isn't it, of like having a, an album that, like, the first time you listen to, you don't like, and then it's like the first yeah. time you listen to. Oh, you make a breakthrough. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, I've just thought of another band. I should mention. <laughs> Shit. Um. <laughs> I think that's. Um, I think that's like a thing. Like, I'm not down on Spotify particularly, but it's a thing with streaming culture now. Is that albums get a little lost in that sort of yeah. Like, Yes, that's true. The flip side to that, though, though, I always say is that, like, I remember when I was a kid and I was really starting to engage with hardcore as a genre, somebody told me that the Cro-Mags were an important band that right. I should listen to. Right now, living in Winchester in the mid-90s, how the fuck are you going to get a Cro-Mags record? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it took me, like, two years of tape trading and writing to pen friends in the States to get, like, a third-hand cassette-dubbed yeah. copy of Age of Quarrel, which is a great record. But um, now, anyone listening to this can listen to Age of Quarrel before the end of the sentence. Yeah, Do you know sure, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and there is something good about that. Think, yeah, that's know. cool. Yeah, I think I think that's really I think that's really cool. But uh, I had a, had a conversation with a friend of mine a while back about um, about like Ill- like illegally stealing music, like downloading music, mm-hmm. um, and like we differed on opinion about it. But what we did agree on was that like he said that he downloaded the entire Slayer discography. Yeah, and he was like, if I bought that, I would listen to that. All the time, do you know? Yeah, like yeah, if yeah. I spent all my money buying if all that, if like, you invested in it, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you would have spent the rest like yeah. two weeks listening yeah. purely to Slayer. Oh yeah, I, I, there was a record shop near where I grew up that used to put aside Epitaph records for me because they knew that I'd be interested. <laughs> yeah, I was a yeah. weird little kid, and I bought a lot of CDs that. I would then work on liking them because I just spent all the money I yeah, had. Yeah, exactly. You spent ten quid you know or mean? fifteen quid or something. Yeah, and that's like what you had for that week. Exactly. Yeah. And so you know, I would list. I remember getting like a Down by Law record and initially being unsure about it, but really like putting the yeah, put work the in because yeah. I, I had nothing else. Do and you like know now, mean? like I'm just as guilty as anyone for like you know yeah. the minute I like listen to something, you're like, no, it's not for me. I'll yeah, totally, yeah. You give it ten seconds. Yeah. And wait until <laughs> wait until the first chorus and then turn off. Yeah, um, terrible. Cool. So. 
three. Number three, which is very pertinent for today, and this one's kind of inarguable for me because I always say, when someone says, what's your favourite punk rock record, I always say, everything sucks by Descendants. Um, and good day to do it. Yeah, definitely. And, and like, I love the Descendants in general, but that record especially for me is just like cool. a cut above. Um, and I think what I like about it is the, com- is the deceptive complexity of it. Like, mm-hmm. it sounds like a pop record, or yeah. pop punk record, should we say. But just from a strictly musicological point of view, it's infinitely more complicated than anything that other bands from that scene were doing. Sure, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's just chord changes and time changes and stuff that are just really quite That's weird. That's what I really like about this thing is that like it's funny to speak to somebody and then they go like the reason why I like this is not because the songs are particularly like much better than anything else yeah. it's what they're doing behind it so it's like those chord oh, yeah. sequences especially from songwriters point of view is like sometimes I'm like how did they manage that like I managed I remember seeing like Beans on Toast years back and he just went it's really simple he just went from like an A major to an A minor and it just sounded completely normal do you yeah. know like it sounded yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, perfect yeah. and I was just like I've never been able to do that yeah 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 sure but then this is this is the thing about being a songwriter I mean like you know I've spent years this is now off topic for what we're talking about here but like listening to like ABBA songs or Regina Spector songs yeah. because and just studying just individual chord changes like Waterloo by ABBA starts on an E major and then goes to an F sharp major that's fucking weird yeah, that's not so how strange. it's supposed to go yeah. uh, and then it goes to a B and then it's the descending thing and it's just like and it, if you don't analyse music or songwriting in a sort of structural uh, academic kind of way then you just hum along and bop your feet and yeah. that's great but it's like if you are in the business of trying to arrange chords yourself you're kind of like fuck what did you just do that yeah. uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean and like you know Regina Spector's biggest hit radio changes key in the first verse really? I mean yeah it's, and, and, and you'd never notice no, unless no. you're paying attention to the chords yeah, and yeah. it's just like wait she did what now you know you what, I mean? wonder, what I always wonder with these people whether they've done that deliberately or whether that's just been like a really natural well I mean it's the age old thing actually because I had this discussion with my um, piano player Matt uh, yesterday in fact about how I feel quite strongly and when it comes to musicianship and songwriting that in a way a little knowledge really is a dangerous thing there's part of me that wishes I either knew everything there is to know about theory or I knew nothing at all because to break rules you either need to not know what they are or need to understand them fully and my sort of semi-knowledge of music theory quite often I find restricting because I go oh well I'm not allowed to go there do you know what I mean and like if I and you know Kurt Cobain didn't know any music theory at all and boy can you tell but in a good way you know there's chord changes and there's songs that make no sense at all it's that sort of being almost like ignorant to it it's like you know it's there but it's like you choose almost choose not to to go there just just yeah it's just it doesn't even sort of cross your radar yeah I actually spoke to a mate about this because like I'm not a big dream theater fan like I'm not sure if you are even yeah I remember the first time I heard dream theater to thinking, oh, that's where Dylan's escape plan <laughs> picked that up from. Well, I remember thinking, like, I was criticizing them. I was saying to somebody, and I was just like, the problem with them is that they're all theatre, no dreams. And it's just because it's, <laughs> it's so fucking, like, strictly oh. music theory. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally. I mean, it is definitely. Well, I mean, this is, so this is the, again, we're off topic, but fuck it, that's one of these things. Like, one of the things, because when, when I started doing what I do now as opposed to being a million dead, one of the things that has sort of occurred to me is that. And I say this, I'd love to under Escape Plans music, I really do. Mm-hmm. But like, there's, an, there's a level on which, if you're in 13 time and playing at a million miles an hour and playing chromatic chords, yeah. it's a Dillinger Escape Plan song, and there's not masses of sort of differentiations as to whether it's a good one or a bad one. It's just, it's got kind of like certain check marks. Yeah, yeah, where, like yeah. Whereas a Weezer song is a good song or a bad song. Do you know what right, I mean? And yeah. there's nothing to hide behind, and you can't go, well, the drumming's very fast. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, who gives a shit? Like, yeah, and, sure. and there's something kind of naked and kind of punk about that. Do you know what I mean? About just sort of going, fuck it, man. Here's four bar chords <laughs> and a melody and a kick drum and a snare. They go, do, ka, do, ka, do, ka. Yeah, sure. do you know what I mean? It's like, 
it's, 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 it's naked. But uh, The Descenders, anyway, that record, it's just it's really complex in a really fucking cool way. And there's a lot of kind of odd, augmented chords that come in. I think Steven's an incredible guitarist, so just... I tell it to him now. It's a very odd thing to me that I can say yeah, hi to sure, descendants. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I, I just as you're talking about like your favorite album. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're over, they're, they're over there. Um, but like you know, and 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 lyrically as well. I mean, you know, um, rotting out meant a lot to me as a kid because I had a lot of weird shit going on in my family that no one ever talked about. Right. Um, everything sucks. When I was working kind of crappy temp jobs after I left school and being trying to be in a band, that was like my wake up call back when you used to have like a CD player that would set off at a certain time yeah. if you spent half yeah. an hour programming the fucking thing um, and you know it. Uh, um, yeah and Thank You is one of the most beautiful songs ever like yeah I love it it's a great yeah, record sure. cool alright and then which song uh, I mean uh, I'm going to pick Thank You if I had to pick one I just there's that line in the middle where he goes don't you know why I go and waste my time at a rock and roll show it's just like oh, you let me know I'm not alone it's just like yes yes <laughs> it's relate hard, yeah. so hard or something that's like well that. so we talked already about punk rock trying to be uncomfortable which I think it should be in places but the other thing that punk rock was to me as a kid was a refuge you know what I mean and like relatable yeah the, you know I didn't feel like I really fit anywhere and I didn't like my parents' world and I didn't like my school and I didn't like the people grew up around and, and I felt like they were all dickheads and, yeah, yeah. and I didn't know anyone who wore band t-shirts and then you know I went to Camden and I went to Reading Festival and I went to like a hardcore show and it was like fuck Suddenly my people everyone's here yeah. yeah you know and it's like you just you can just relax a little bit for the first time in your entire life I think it's like this here sometimes it's like come places like Punk Rock Day and like fest as well and you, and you know yeah. like you get there and you're like I'm no longer like the most punk person yeah. in my group. Do you know totally. what I mean? You're just, like, just like sliding in. Yeah, <laughs> and you can just, there's just certain sort of givens. And it's a funny thing, I have this conversation with my um, fiance uh, quite a lot because she doesn't come from anything like the punk world, doesn't really know anything about yeah. it. And there, she's like, there are times when it feels exclusionary to her and I, because she didn't grow up with it. And yeah, she's sure. like, you know, you're all supposed to be iconoclasts and you're all wearing fucking black jeans and black t-shirts with weird band names written yeah. on. And you've all the whole got... Kiss Army thing, isn't it? Yeah, 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 totally. And, and it, is, it is tribal to a degree. And, and I can see through her eyes how if you didn't, if that wasn't, your, your rock and salvation when you were a teenager that it might be a bit kind of threatening from an outside point of view but sure. the thing I'm always trying to say to her is like you know we're, we're, we're the misfit kids trying to be nice to each other because yeah, yeah. no one else was you know and, and there's a lot of value in that cool um, right that was number three number four Number four, um, again, this is my other answer to what's your favourite punk rock album, and it goes with your T-shirt that you're currently wearing, and I'm not fucking here on Sunday. You're not? Oh, man. No, I'm I've so got to go. I'm so pissed off, but let's, uh, um, today's Empire is tomorrow's Ashes. Uh, I nearly said Let's Talk More Rock, which is also brilliant, but today's Empire is, is the propaganda record for me. Sure. Um, I feel like you could draw a graph of propaganda's career that has kind of like technicality going up and kind of like simple songwriting I don't want to say going down but sort of becoming less central to what they do and what I love about um, Today's Empires is it's at the perfect moment where those two meet because it's complex and weird and proggy and thrashy just before they went to a four piece was it, oh no there was still a three piece I think there was still a three piece but it's, it was before they did like supporting case and stuff like that yeah, yeah. which is a great record but it just gets it's they're much more in the technical thrash world by that's that point that's my favourite I think uh, really okay yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, for me it, I just feel like kind of melody started taking a backseat to kind of technicality after sure, a certain yeah. point Okay, yeah. um, and I'm sure that Chris Hanna could hear, sit here and tell me I'm a fucking idiot and I would accept that because yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah totally fine but also you know for me as a lyricist particularly more so in Million Dead than now but like the, the ambition of his vocabulary and the complexity of the ideas he's trying to communicate through rock and roll because yeah. it's still broadly rock and roll was so inspiring to me because like I you know, and even back, there were certain bands that just really kind of inspired me as a as a writer when I was in Million Dead in terms of being able to say 
difficult and complicated things. Um, uh, Van Pelt was a big thing for me okay. and Propagandi as well because it wasn't just like, ooh, baby, yeah, yeah, here's my car or whatever. Yeah. Or even, you know, Rancid, she's automatic, she's automatic or whatever. You know, it's just kind of like publicly self-sized, privately preferable, all that kind of shit, you know, and, and dickhead shit to all single file, all that kind of thing. I was it's, speaking to a mate, uh, on, <coughs> Robin from Random Hand, who had on the yeah. podcast, um, and he was talking about lyrics and like, how, like writing, writing lyrics, basically, mm. and he was saying the funny thing about Propagandi is that like, they're almost written as prose, and it's yes. kind of like, almost like just fit into the song. Yeah, you know, but then that's the thing, they fit, and, and that's it. there are a few writers who I feel you can tell they write the lyrics out except completely separately yeah, from yeah. the music and there's a bit of crowbarring going on and on a surface level you feel like that about propaganda but then actually it fits so well yeah, it's crazy that I actually have no idea whether he writes musical lyrics I know I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to know but it's crazy isn't it because like sometimes it's like two thirds of the way through the sentence is where, where that bit stops yeah. and it carries on like yeah. that you know it's just like yeah, I could never do that. Right? Yeah, I'm losing faith that we we hear in the cradle. Yeah. The lapidus can cease. I'll take a drive for individual strength yeah. through. Yeah, and it's so, like it's yeah. At the very least, he has a poet's attention to kind of scansion, um, which may have something to do with hanging out with John K. Samson, who is my favorite songwriter of all time. But really? I feel like falls outside of the arena. Oh no, man! Like I, actually, um, I don't know if I told you it could have been any album. Oh right, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. well, I'm doing punk rock ones because oh, yeah. that's fun. But like, I'm not least it's going to save me driving myself out of my fucking yeah, mind. Sure, yeah. um, uh, but um, but yeah, there's a, there's a there's just yeah that record's just fucking flawless, and I remember. I remember there was an interesting moment. So they did the first two records on Fat Wreck, um, which were a bit more pop punk and goofy, and they had the comedy songs on yeah, and all that yeah. sort of shit. And then they went away for like five, six years. And then the first track back from kind of second era propaganda, let's say, was Back to the Motor League, which was on a yeah, compilation sure. CD somewhere. I remember there was a real divide among my friends when that song came out. Because half my friends were just like, nah, man, fuck this, it's way too... They kind of like thrash as well. Yeah, yeah, and it's like they didn't like it because they like the kind of Scar Sucks yeah. version of Propaganda. And people are like, I don't know what this bullshit is, I'm not interested. But then some people, myself included, went, Mother of fucking Christ! <laughs> you know, and like the fact that John left and did the Weaker Thans and then they got Tug from Swallowing Shit in on bass, it's kind of like it's perfect. Do you know sure, what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we took one band and made two better bands. Um, and, and that's. Not so much. So yeah, it's yeah. It's fun to watch live. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and um, yeah, so I mean, it, it's. It's a, it's a, it's a, again, it's a pretty flawless record. If I had to pick one song off it, um, fuck, man. Uh, um, God damn it, what song would I pick off that record? I mean, I'm tempted to say the title track, actually. Just the, again, just that bit at the end is like, when the backwards and learn of ratification, the people yeah. are covered in black. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, God, so down, down in the pit, sing along. All right, cool, we'll put that down. Yeah. And then we've got number five. Number five, I was trying to think when I was going through this of like trying to pick like this kind of modern era punk record, you know, um, <laughs> to sort of prove that I still listen to punk man <laughs> or some shit, you know. And I was thinking about like War on Women um, or like Off of the Heads, um, bands like that, you know, yeah, that I'm really into. Um, but I have to say that the, probably the record I've listened to more than any other record ever is Refuse Shake Punk to Come. Um, and like, and it would be kind of dumb for me not to talk about that record. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and the, it, um, I saw them in '98, just after that record came out at the Red Eye, and they played three songs. And then Christopher hit Dennis in the face with his guitar by mistake, and Dennis had to go to hospital. And Lil from Household came out on stage and said, "Don't worry, everybody, they'll be back when they get back from the American tour." which they never came back yeah, from. Yeah, they yeah, broke up. Like, yeah, they broke up like a month later. Yeah. And those three songs were staggering. Um, and then 
they never came back and there was this huge kind of mystery but the thing is I didn't actually I hadn't really heard them and I seem to remember that the opening band was that night was Murder City Devils I think I'm right in saying okay. um, and, I, and I was sort of as interested in seeing them as I was in seeing Refused and this is I was 16 at this point and I went down and came away from it being like I, I'm not even sure I would have at that moment have said they would, they'd become my favourite band but I was aware that I'd seen something very new and very different and very yeah, odd sure, yeah. that was that had, time yeah just instantly had made all the other hardcore bands I was into at the time sound kind of old do you know what I mean and there's some and you know people bang on and on about how they nick their aesthetic off National Ulysses and blah 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 but don't give a shit because they did it way better I like National Ulysses a good band but like um, there was there was an attention to style and detail and it was it was it was it was kind of chic in yeah. a way that I'd she never seen a hardcore band be chic before, yeah. you know. And Not the word you expected. Sort of no, I know, but it was so original and bringing in the electronic influence and sort of just making it sexy. That's one of the things that I think a lot of my friends who aren't into punk rock, and particularly hardcore, quite often say, is the thing that sets hardcore apart is it's one of, it's, it was almost, almost in 1980, 1981, like the first kind of sexless style of music. You know, most music up until that point is about a beat that's about fucking. Oh, right, yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like hardcore takes out that fucking. And it goes. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, and it's kind of like. It's, it's, it, I mean, there is a musicological point in here that hardcore punk was the first time that sex got completely like written out of the scripts as far as music went and refused to put it back. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it's sexy. It still grooves in there. Yeah, you know, and, and it's also, you know, super complex and techy and jazzy yeah, sure, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And so me and, me and a couple of friends who I was in a band with called Mejek at the time got Check Punk Come and just listened to it until it fucking fell apart. And like, I can play you and sing you that whole fucking record right now, should you wish yeah. me to. I'd advise against. Yeah, yeah. But, um, maybe later. <laughs> maybe later. Um, uh, with some candlelight low, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I just and it's it's uh, it's a phenomenal piece of art, and and it's so balls out to call your record the shape of punks come, yeah, and like yeah. and it was a one in a million shot that that wasn't going to be a, a fucking swing and a miss, yeah, and sure. they got it. I, I think I remember seeing that record and just like cause I mean I'm I'm like I'm kind of too young for when that came out for it, to sure, be like, like, yeah. Um, but I remember seeing like the name of the record. I was like, like that is it's just so ballsy. Like, yeah, you know totally. What I mean? like, it's just but that's so it, borderline they, arrogant. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah, completely. But that's it. They went all the way. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And it's like if they'd gone, if they, if they just half asked it a tiny bit at any point, the whole thing would have collapsed on itself. Sure. Do you know what I mean? But it was just, uh, you know, it's the first time I ever heard, heard anyone use the word baby in a hardcore song. Do you know what I mean? And it was just kind of like, yeah, I suppose yeah, you know, think about that sort of stuff. Yeah, and it was just, and and like I love the hives, but Jesus fucking Christ, did the hives learn a lot from that album yeah, yeah. in terms of you know and there was the whole rock and roll hardcore thing and Abenander and all those kind of bands from Sweden but like it, you know it was just it was funky and stylish and sexy and cool but also smart as fuck as well yeah. you know and the lyrics are intelligent and um, the live show is killer as well yeah definitely I'm, well I saw them on the, the first reunion tour they did um and I had it, it was fine. I mean, it was brilliant. It was fucking brilliant. I was slightly annoyed because having seen Refused was my hardcore top trump card for, for years. Do you know what I mean? Because no one fucking saw Refused. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, I saw Refused. Yeah. Um, and now everyone's fucking seen Refused. And that's kind of slightly undercut yeah, I do my... Agree. Especially when they came back. And it's, it's, you know when bands kind of come back and these bands that you've never heard of, suddenly everyone knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like, sure. Well, one of the ones for me with that, I have to say, is that, and I'm, I'll be honest, like I just missed, somewhere along the line, I missed the fucking lecture on Jawbreaker back in the so day. Did I. And almost everybody I know shit themselves when they got back together. And, and that's cool. Good for them. And I'm glad that they're making those people happy. But it just doesn't affect me at all. Just did, just did an essay on authenticity and selling out in punk rock using Jawbreaker's Dear You. 
right yeah, yeah. thing to like look through because it's just funny because that album really isn't much yeah. different to what they were doing beforehand completely. all it was it was just on the major yeah completely everyone lost their shit and the, I mean the, yeah the extremity of the reaction to that yeah. was, was really really fucking odd um, I know I've now done five records I didn't mention Fugazi which is ridiculous because I think they well the problem I have is I think Fugazi are overall my favourite punk band but I'm not sure I could pick one particular record well they changed so much yeah well they changed everybody else as well yeah, yeah. I mean there is punk rock exists before and after Fugazi I mean it's just a fucking fact um, but you know uh, yeah I'm not sure I could pick one individual record I mean if you put a gun to my head I'd pick Repeater but like um, yeah fuck Fugazi needs to be mentioned and I've done it yeah, so yeah. we're okay no worries man okay, okay cool so uh, one song off refused uh, one song probably Summer Holidays was Punk Routine cool. fucking love that song we've got a good uh, memory for song names almost yeah. everyone I the one that goes yeah, yeah, well like, I'll tell you what though that's an interesting thing because this is this goes back to what we were talking about about buying records and shit because I picked five records that all came from the pre-internet era I know the track titles yeah, yeah, if true. I was trying to name songs off records I got into more recently I'd be like you know the one yeah, with number the, three number might be four yeah <laughs> the one it's on shuffle it comes up it's got the you know what I mean yeah, and then you're exactly, lost so yeah. you definitely again when you're a kid you've got the record and you're fucking looking at it that's why I love this that's why I really like uh, doing this with albums because it's so often so much like a stamp period of time for people you know yeah. like when you got into it it's like yeah, 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 there's totally. so much nostalgia yeah. it's all embedded in yeah, the record absolutely sounds, sounds wanky, but it's true. Yeah, no no but it's true I mean fuck man there are records I find hard to listen to because of breakups and shit like that exactly. same as anybody else and, uh, although it's funny if you leave those breakup records you can't listen to for like 5-10 years and then come back to them again it's really liberating because you realise you don't give a toss anymore yeah, about the breakup it's like, and you're like, like oh. fresh again yeah. yeah totally yeah it's nice cool right so we'll the book the book um, this is sort of obvious but I'm going to pick it anyway um, Get in the Van by Henry Rollins was a bible to me when I was a kid um, uh, I did my first tour in the summer of 98 with Nijok and the reason we did it is so we formed the band with three piece who were trying to sound like refused, cave in, that kind of yeah, territory sure. um, and not very successfully I might add um, uh, and Boy Sets Fire as well with the other band we were obsessed with sure. um, but like we uh, um, it was just like we're a band, what do bands do? bands do tours and we knew this because we read Get In The Band yeah. and it was just you know and there's loads of stuff in there about them like fly posting their own shows and, and just booking shit on the payphone which again we, we booked that first tour on a payphone that sounds um, so alien to me yeah I mean, I well it feels fucking odd to me now that we literally had because Fracture Zine we, do you ever read Fracture? No, so Fracture was the UK MMR uh, MRR Maximum Rock and Roll yeah, I should sure. just say the name rather than <laughs> it. Fracture was incredible it came out of South Wales and it was it was the first national and free hardcore zine in the UK um, and it was like 80 pages long if not more and like small type it's pretty good for like for free yeah well because they did the advertising thing in the same way that like you know the Evening Standard or whatever do it now and it was it was a really interesting thing that they made it work that way and and for a good two maybe three years like Fracture was the fucking bible on the hardcore scene you had to get Fracture and they had a BYL page put your own life so uh, which was a page at the back that would just have a list of cities and a name and a phone number and if you wanted a show or somewhere to stay you called that guy right and we got this we're a bunch of 16 year olds we didn't know we didn't even have like sort of friends of friends yeah, links we yeah, didn't yeah. fucking know just, anyone just and, town, yeah and we just went we picked a two weeks two weeks of our summer school summer holiday got this BYL thing and a fucking road atlas um, and a payphone, and we managed to book two weeks of shows 
Um, That's so crazy. Yeah, and, and like most of them were awful. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the venue in Salisbury had never heard of us when we showed up. Like um, in Leeds, we played 120 Rats to to about 50 people, and we were opening for End of the Century Party and Arsehole for Parade, both of whom broke up that night. Um, and we, we were like 16 year olds <laughs> going, oh my God, yeah, we're we're everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we played in a wine bar in Dundee, and, you know, it was fucking weird as hell, but like the most fun. And all of that came from reading, or at least the inspiration to do that came from reading Get in the Band. Yeah, cool. And, um, you know, I, it's still, I mean, again, I'm now really think, double guessing my choices, but, you know, I should have picked a Black Flag record probably because they, I've got the logo on my wrist and they are very, very important to me in terms of my understanding of punk rock. And, yeah, it was just that thing. It was just like, don't sit around and wait. You know, it's, it's funny, like, the word DIY is quite a loaded term in many ways. Yeah. And, like, you know, obviously... My records get licensed to major labels these days, so as far as the DIY purists are concerned, I've got fuck all to do with DIY. And I can see that argument, and I'm not going to waste too much of my time arguing against it. One thing I would would say is that what I took from the principle of DIY is stop fucking waiting for somebody else to do it. Do you know what I mean? Just do it yourself. And and But then by extension, and this is probably where I part ways with some people, if somebody else is going to do that, if somebody else is going to you know release the record and book the tours, and so it's like, cool, done, more time to do other shit. Do you know what I mean? And it's just about being as a practical do. I do really agree with that like, um, because almost every band you'll speak to is like if somebody else could do their booking for them or do their driving for them you're like that'd be amazing do you know what I mean like it's yeah well at the end of the day we are I mean we aren't supposed to be artists musicians or whatever do you know what I mean and it's like I've actually just spent this morning demoing new songs and my, my next record comes out in 10 days and it's like finished recording in February done write another one yeah. and I'm like five songs into another record now and, and it's just and, and I had a, I had a morning where I had fuck all going on so I and technology is such that I can demo in a dressing room these days um, so just kind of going through that and then <clears throat> thinking about new book ideas and blah blah you know be active do shit do a podcast yeah, here yeah. we are like fuck it man and it's like if I was sitting there trying to book my own tours and release my own records <coughs> still I could do I couldn't do a quarter of the shit that I do no exactly yeah. I mean you take um, up the amount of time you take up yeah days, you know so. um, particularly if you're trying to do shit internationally and all the rest of it you know sure. I heard a thing the other day and I'm not 100% sure whether this is true <coughs> apparently Billy Joel Billy Joel is DIY as fuck like he he only does like a handful of shows every five years and the reason is is because he books them he checks out the ticket prices the concession stands <laughs> organises awesome. does his own merch designs yeah, yeah, yeah. literally does absolutely every last tiny bit of it himself and I mean he's doing baseball stadiums yeah. do you know what I mean but apparently that is his most operandi and I think it's fucking awesome to learn of all people in this world, Billy Joel is the biggest yeah, DIY artist out there. You mean, yeah, he can do it. So, yeah. <coughs> Stick that up your ass, crass. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool, so then you've got a luxury item. I mean, this is kind of boring, but does guitar count or is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to take a guitar. Fuck it. I'm going to take my. I've got an old Gibson acoustic guitar at home. Um, which I can't, I mean, I can't live without a guitar of some kind. Um, I think that's it's a good thing to do, though, because you can have it it's constantly create on it, and it keeps, yeah. it keeps you busy. You know, and I mean, I've, I've, I've played guitar every single day of my life since I was about 10 years old, and, I, and, and we'd stop now. Yeah, I know. I, well, I'd go fucking mad if I couldn't, so. Do you think you'd be good on a design? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think if I, had, if I had the time, I might get better at guitar. I've been trying to push myself lately. I've been learning bluegrass the last couple of years. Um, partly because I love bluegrass and partly because it's an excellent discipline for your right hand technique. Um, but uh, if I might one day learn how to play guitar solo if I had sure. all the time in the world. I wasn't saying, would you be good on a desert? <laughs> I mean, um, I was like, in general. Oh, right, right. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know. It's a funny no, thing. I mean, right? I like how you took that. Yeah, very, yeah, yeah. Very, very literally. Yeah. Very literally. Sorry. And absolutely okay with it. Um, <laughs> but I think that um, I don't know. I, I'd like to say yes. I mean, you never know. Um, but the thing is, like. I think about this quite a lot. I live in London, um, you know, I'm super busy when I'm on tour, and I'm at home, I'm trying to be super busy, go to shows, hang out, get involved in community stuff around where I live, and I, my personality is such that I like to be very sort of gregarious and connected and busy and all these things. Having said all that, like, there is a little part of me that has spent a lot of my life feeling like there was going to come a point where I'm going to go, fuck it, and move to Oregon. Yeah, uh, do you yeah. know what I mean? And, like, live on a ranch with a gun and a dog and like shoot at people coming from the driveway and, and like you know not have a phone and, yeah yeah do you know what I mean and just be like a proper fucking crazy old man living in the woods like Hunter S. Thompson style or whatever um, I mean the thing is there's that, there's, that's a very romantic view and it might be bollocks uh, and I might go completely insane in a month if I ever actually did that uh, but if I, I mean, I think the premise of this is that I've been shipwrecked. Yeah, um, so, with, so somehow with all your albums. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. So, I don't know why. You I think the thing is, <laughs> the, the idea, the premise is that I've got no choice. So I think I probably would be all right. Cool. All right, I think we have to wrap up. Thank, Thank you so you. much, man. That Cheers, was loads dude. of fun. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.